Episode 4 of Bellum Mensa. Act 3 of Lost Minds of Fandelver. Session 7. The Assault on Castle Cragmore. Having massacred the patrols sent out to investigate them, our five heroes, Lickar the Druid, Bikar the Cleric, Cardrus the Barbarian, Brimblor the Ranger, and Mormir the Wizard, launched an assault on Cragmore Castle after a short rest to bind their wounds. Under the cover of darkness, they were confronted by the sight of a large bugbear holding Gundren Rockseeker at sword point. Thanks to a cunning deception by Mormir, they fooled King Grawl and were able to fight their way inside the castle's back door. Slaying the king, his hobgoblin bodyguards, and rescuing the unconscious Gundren, they nearly lost Mormir, though Cardrus burst down a door to save him. As the remaining goblins poured inaccurate arrow volleys at them, they made a fighting retreat before the Cragmore tribe could unleash an owlbear at them. And now, they must choose their next course of action. Welcome to another episode of Bellum Mensa. This week's episode, it wasn't a natural one that screwed them over, but this is my first instance in the campaign of a Colville screw. Despite their best efforts, the players failed their stealth when approaching the castle, and are now facing pretty much the entire enemy stronghold, less the patrol that they had already massacred. This was one of the interesting aspects of dark vision. In an old dwarf party, everyone had dark vision. Normally, light is a concern for at least a few members of an adventuring party, but in this case, they felt completely safe moving forwards without light. Unfortunately, they forgot that goblins also have dark vision. Now, they weren't all spotted, and Mormir managed to engage King Grohl in a hostage negotiation, essentially. This was a fantastic bit of roleplay by one of my players, really engaging in character, in banter and taunts, and it lasted just long enough for everyone else to get in position and then launch their assault swiftly, rapidly, and with massive amounts of violence. Bikar, Cardrus, and Brimblor, all acting in unison, really did a number on both King Grohl's hobgoblin bodyguards and the monarch himself. This I would call success in the face of the screw. They managed to take out King Grohl before he could kill Gundren. They ran up and attempted to rescue Gundren, which they managed to succeed and retreat with him. But in retreating with him, they left some of their players dangerously exposed, and Mormir was actually snatched and pulled through a doorway. Mormir had a habit of rushing forwards, and like the cranky old dwarf that he was, engaging with his warhammer instead of just cantrips, which I felt was really characterful and flavourful for an old crotchety dwarf, even if he was meant to be a wizard. It seemed perfect, and it worked out perfectly for intrigue in this case. Now, Cardrus then bashed straight through the door. If last game turned on a natural one, this game turned on a simple failure. Cardrus rushed into the room, and all he saw was Mormir looking dishevelled in rumpled clothes lying on the floor. He picked him up and ran out with him before anything else could go wrong. And that is the first time I ever got to replace a player with a doppelganger. I spoke to the player in secret while this was going on. 
he had been rendered unconscious out of sight of the others, and he went with it. Like, full banter and fair play to that man. He was just like, yes, definitely, let me be a doppelganger. Unfortunately, I didn't get to coach him after we had agreed this. But next session, he still lived up to the full potential of what the doppelganger could be. It was fantastic. And then, this is a very short episode this week. I've only got two more issues. One of which is the players then made the right smart choice, which, when I've been a player, has been very hard to do. They made the decision to retreat in the face of high odds. They knew, thanks to the scouting that they had done earlier, that there was an owlbear ready to be unleashed. They had actually seen goblins going towards its cave through the corridor, so they knew that more powerful foes were on their way. And what helped them retreat was that they had succeeded in their mission. Having succeeded in their mission, and as they thought, not leaving anyone behind, they were happy to make good their escape. Now the other thing I'd like to talk about is what I did at the start. I introduced all the characters by name, and I gave their class. I'm not very fond of class as a description for a character, but I find myself doing it a lot. I had Adlan, the Bard, was my last player character. He wouldn't call himself the Bard, but in the parlance of D&D, it's much easier to say this. And so I hope any of you were wondering, that is what my players had settled down into playing, because the first few sessions, I let my players rejig their characters, in one case change class completely, without having to scrap the character or the backstory work that we've already done. Now, is class a real thing in your game? In my game, class isn't a real thing. You can go to a monastery and study to be a monk, but you could also study to be a monk barbarian there, without ever having to go join a barbarian tribe. And conversely, you can be from a a barbarian tribe and be a monk. You don't have to use the backstory for the class abilities in my head. Although, obviously, there are differences, like a sorcerer versus a wizard is the difference between being an innate magic user and a a learned magic user. But a druid, cleric, multi-class? That's just someone drawing all their powers from nature in my mind. You don't have to then add in divine worship to it. It's an odd blend in this case, because there are some aspects where the roleplay and the class features go together so well. But instead of homebrewing different class features that need playtesting and worry, I've always been a massive fan of reskinning things. So changing the name of features, but keeping the abilities exactly the same. It helps avoid people having issues with the balance of it that you may not see because, of course, you as a player would never do whatever abusive, cheesy, beardy thing that they are envisioning when you come up with your homebrew rule set. To listen to what beardy thing I force my players to endure, tune in next week for another episode of Bellum Mensa. I've been Adam. If you would like to play with me, you can contact me at bellummensa at gmail.com. Music was by Tom Foolery Beats. Thanks very much.